Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mind and Body Understanding Podcast, hosted by Jeff Farian, brought to you by Farian Counseling, LLC, and presented by the Foolproof Entertainment Network. As always, we are here with your host, Jeff Farian. How's it going, Jeff? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you doing today? Doing all right. Excellent. Today we have as guest one of my four sisters-in-law. Uh, three sisters of my wife and then my brother's wife and uh, she's been a nurse for a long time and she's going to talk to us about nursing here in 2020 2021 the era of the pandemic but what I wanted to do first is tell the audience one interesting thing about her that maybe people who are listening are unaware of go ahead Patty well, I would say there's probably not a ton that's that interesting about me um, but for those who know me as a nurse or a midwife, and they may not know, I have a big background in music once upon a time. What was the biggest performance that you put on? Like the, where you were in front of a large crowd and you performed and you knocked it out of the park. What was that night, uh, that moment? My favorite were, my favorite performances, I can always place one was always um, when I was in at Capitol and the, I was in the chapel choir. Those were always my favorite performances because emotionally, it was an emotional experience so were they as well just as a musical experience. School performances or did you perform publicly or how did that um, work? I didn't do a whole lot after school as far as singing other than I did weddings. I sang at weddings and No, I mean with the, with the things, Capitol but choir. But with Capitol, yeah. that was during school. So it was just that was how I spent my college school for school. Those are powerful. I mean, how many people were in that chorus? Um, I would say there was probably 80 or so, wow. give or take. They were pretty big. Did you wear like all purple jackets or something? Oh, we had these robes. Purple, robes? Purple velvet robes. Nice. With like a cream colored thing over top. Yeah. So. Well, I've seen your daughter perform with her, the red coats. Right, the red jackets. Oh, yeah. she's she had she hasn't sung with them for a few years. That was, she she always loved to do that. So that now was, she's when you have moving up to eighty people things. with the same jacket on and they're singing like the you folks sing. It's <laughs> awesome. It's a great show. So, mind and body understanding wants to understand how nurses are coping with the pandemic, how they're coping with their own mental health, and though, and so that's why I asked you to come on the show. This is the main reason that I want to talk to you is what are nurses doing? What What's the evolution of the nurse in the last even 12 months since this pandemic hit hard? And what's happening out there with nurses? Well, there's so many different kinds of nursing, but hospital nurses. Yeah. Um, I mean, the hosp- hospital nursing has changed. That's got to be the in most the last stressful. Year. It's very stressful. Yeah. Um, you know, as a nurse... You're used to, you become used to, and, you know, I don't know if that's sad to say, seeing patients pass away. Sure. You know, you know you can, and when you know you can help them and you help them, then that's all, always gives you kind of a boost. Sure. But, you know, we see life, we see death. Um, this past year for a lot of nurses, you know, getting a new patient and if, if it's a nurse who's working on a COVID unit, getting a patient who's admitted with, you know, COVID symptoms 
and then seeing them deteriorate, yeah. you know, you can be hopeful that you help them, but a lot of nurses, you know, have succumbed to being like, okay, you know, we know when this one's not going to make it. Well, this is something that's very difficult. This is something that I've only experienced from watching television. I have not lived it. I have not even gone to a hospital during the pandemic that I can think recall. From what I understand, I think that the you know it's lightening up now, but families can't even be with the patient with COVID when they have COVID in the hospital. So their family's removed. Is that right? The nurse is holding an iPad to you know help them patient FaceTime their family. My gosh, and so. To me, that's got to be the most exasperating moments of a nurse's career is you are the guys or gals in the man or woman's family in that mm-hmm. situation. When they're laying on their deathbed, it's You're essentially... You're the one holding their hand. And most of these patients are intubated? A, a lot of them do become intubated. I mean, I know... What's the difference between being on a... a, a the big things that we had, the respirators? The ventilators. The ventilator. What's the difference between being on a ventilator and being intubated? Or is that the same? Well, they, if they intubate you, that's when they put that tube down your throat. Right. They're going to put you on that ventilator and let that do the breathing for you. Yeah. I've seen my father on a ventilator twice in his life before he passed away. It's exasperating. It's horrifying. It's mm-hmm. it, There's nothing you can do. I mean... That person's basically being kept alive by the machine. And they're often then sedated as well because if there's something in your throat, you, you want to reach for right. it. Right, yeah. Get rid of it. And COVID, you, so COVID patients, I mean, when they're severe, that's where they're headed basically? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. how does, so <laughs> translate that to what nurses are doing while this is all going on. Then nurses are, doing as many life-saving measures throughout throughout their day. They're giving them, um, you know, sometimes TPN, which is nutrition through the IV, because they can eat. They're, if they're on a ventilator for right. weeks or a month, they still need nutrition Nutrients. and calories and right. things for their body, um, you know, managing all their fluids, managing all their medications, mm-hmm. um, draw, drawing blood work regularly, you know, hospitals have lab staff, too, that comes up. But if, right. if we're in a total isolation, how's that happening? Um, you know, in the, in a lot of the ICUs, the wind, the walls of the room are glass. So they com- communicate with the people on the other side, say, hey, I need something, just by holding up a sign. Because if you leave the room, you take everything off, and then you put right. all new stuff back on. And Is, so... I- just a question, and I think it's, for me, it's more about are nurses finding themselves probably more emotionally attached to patients because they know the patient's fit. Like, I would imagine that when, I'm sure there's some level of connection between a nurse and a patient, period. But when that patient has family and the family's kind of there with the patient, I imagine mm-hmm. it's different than a patient who's basically all alone. Yeah. And so are they taking on more from an emotional burden standpoint, too? I think they definitely are. Because you're the, as a nurse, you're the person that that patient talk, is talking right. to or seeing day in and day out. Um, you know, when families were able to come in, if a, if a patient was going to be there for a long time, the nurse knew their family, too. Right. And we would have the same patients shift after shift after shift. 
you know, now with the pandemic, you see people, nurses getting to know a patient and care for a patient um, and meeting their families through the FaceTime or video calling. Right. And, um, you know, then, shoot. Sorry. Um, And then as, you know, we go, um, you know, they get to know that patient, but then they might come for their shift the next day and that patient has passed. Yeah. And it's so how did nurse, traumatizing. How do nurses, like, mask their depression and their anxiety and their horrification at all of these signs uh, while they're trying to help people and be pleasant with people and work with people? I mean, I, I, I've seen exasperated nurses before, I guess, but I haven't seen, like, sad nurses or crying nurses unless somebody really dies, like, violently in front of them, mm-hmm. but I've, I've not seen that. I imagine that's something that might do it. But So how are they not showing their own pain when dealing with other people? Um, a lot of times it, it all comes out when they step out of the room or get into the break room or the locker room. Is this something they teach you in nursing done. school or I mean, to be like that? Or, or is this a special person that, have, that takes on this kind of a challenge? Nurses are pretty can be pretty special people. Like you, yeah. you they don't sh- they'll show their emotion when when it's okay to. Yeah. But it it's not their place while they're in the room with their patient. You know to be sad and tearful. They have a job to do and. But and even when the family's help and removed, comfort everyone else. And this person's reaching yeah. for desperate help, you know, and just wants to see their loved ones, and there's no one, and. And, and all the person can reach for is this nurse that's in the room with them. Then he or she is going to comfort and support them, but and without hold their hand and without breaking down. I've, I mean, I've cried with a patient before. Yeah, you know, it definitely happens. Sure. Um, but you know, with so much death and dying and mortality because of the pandemic, it's. Has- it's hard to say how many people are just putting up this stone wall and kind of becoming has, numb to it and keeping it all inside. Has there been a rise or a, or a fall in the number of nurses in the last year? Um, well, there's you know there's definitely still like nursing schools going on and things like that. But as far as nurses who work um, full time in the hospital, a lot of nurses that I've talked to who have maybe have been long time nursing bedside nurses. Are, are ready for a break and to get out and find something different. But there's no, like, do you notice that there's a drought of nurses in the hospitals around town here or not? Um, there are in certain ways. So each each type of nursing, each type yeah. of unit, you know, right. an orthopedic nurse isn't an ICU nurse. Right. Have they had the same training initially? Yes. Sure. But then their experience is different. So... They, as far as, you know, what they have that experience of taking care of, you know, is is different. You know, a labor nurse is a labor nurse. Labor nurse is an OR nurse and a labor nurse and a postpartum nurse and a medical nurse. And, you know, you deal with a lot of things. But, you know, then you have that nurse float to a COVID unit. Right. And... Well, and for a while, it sounded like that they were pulling people basically out of nursing school early even, like, or 
accelerating they were, that. There were like foregoing <laughs> some. There were foregoing some of the clinicals, right? And like saying mm-hmm. you can just go ahead and get active, like it's like the where you go and you shadow or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Doing more during their clinical rotations yeah. for sure. Yeah. And then I think initially there were some you know nurses who were being hired and being allowed to start, you know, maybe before they took their board examination. Yeah, that's what I heard that was before boards. And then they always had, you know, no matter what, you know, if they were at that stage, they still had that kind of um, seasoned nurse overseeing them in the hospital setting, you know, and they have those people there to talk to or ask questions to get help from if they need. I mean, this could be considered, like, a war almost against Absolutely. this virus. And I know that when men and women come back from war, they're not the same people as when they left. And I can't imagine it's much different. I mean, there's different aspects, of course, but when nurses come back after a year fighting this pandemic, they're not going to be the same kind of people. Are they getting the help that they need? Are they Are they reaching out and trying to, you know, find ways to get through this? Um, a lot of nurses that I know uh, and that I have had the experience to talk to about things like this, they're just so stoic and they don't... Are hospitals, I guess... Always seek the help. Yeah, I guess um, my question is, are hospitals encouraging them right. to like, seek the help? Are they providing okay. it? Yeah, so the hospitals are trying. Now, as far as providing it... You know, a lot of the hospitals, when we were at the peak in December here, they were stretched so thin. Right. They, they could offer those services, but how much they had to really give right. became the issue. Um, you know, we do get our, you know, daily email updates from the hospital systems. You know, here are our numbers. Here's what we're offering. We're in, you know... Around in here in Columbus, we have a lot of um, religious affiliations in, right. in our hospital systems. So they're offering chaplaincy. You know, talk to the chaplain. All of the hospitals are offering, um, you know, that employee services as far as um, providing that this opportunity to come and see seek a counselor. And I imagine hospitals have at least a, a number of counselors and a number of priests and, mm-hmm. and, and clergy and They're having pastors. remembering services. And a number of even psychiatrists. Absolutely. But you said the word stoicism or stoic earlier. Would you liken that to like feeling that counseling is not worthy of their, I mean, not, I'm saying this wrong. Where they feel that counseling is not effective. Like it's not really no, something. No, no, not at all. Because a lot of people don't believe in counseling because they think they can just handle it. Right. And do you think some of these nurses are feeling that they can just handle it? Maybe stoic wasn't really the word to use. I see a lot of the nurses that have been in nursing for a really long time. They're all about taking care of everybody else. They're going to put their health. Is their, it a matter of physically pride? and mentally. Is it on the pride? Back of, no, because you might need something more than they need. Well, that's fine. So but if they, I know. <laughs> go back to the airplane thing that I said in other episodes. If you can't put the mask on yourself, how can you put the mask on someone else? If you are feeling this, you know, and you've been through seven weeks of 
you know, straight 12 hour shifts, five nights, five days a week, way more than you've ever worked. Mm-hmm. And you're just burnt at both ends. How, how can you help someone else? I mean, that's, that's the point I'm trying to get at is, are they trying to do too much? I, I see newscasts with nurses that have, like, the deep scars and, and, and like, facial Im- imprints from all the masking and, and different coverings that they have to wear all day. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's ex- exasperated more with pandemic than it was. I'm sure they wore them before anyways, but now it's even worse. And... I don't know how. I mean, I'm just thinking of it personally. Uh, I would be worn out. I'd be screaming for help. So I, I don't know where you you they are. are. With that. They need to take their vacation time when they vacation. have it. There's but then here's the idea. thing, right? Everybody wants to go on vacation, but you know, you take your vacation time, or you're just going to. Then you have home. to quarantine for two <laughs> weeks when you get back, <laughs> right? But but then is it okay? Does your unit have the staffing for you to take that vacation time? Right. Going back to the earlier Who's conversation, your, yeah, your your spot, yeah. So, but I think so, more and more, there's then these nurses are, you know, they're they're getting they're drained and they need a break. How would realizing you realizing that they need a break? How would you clinically term the mental health concerns that nurses face right now? How would you term it? What what kind of concerns are there, mental health wise? Oh, severe depression. Severe depression. Severe depression. Not just. We see a lot of there, it. There's differences. But um, there's exhaustion. different levels of a depression for sure. Exhaustion. Exhaustion. Okay, I'm trying to frame that Let into the DSM five. I'm not sure. <laughs> exhaustion, um, like mental exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Mental exhaustion. Sure. Okay, that's you just know, high levels of stress. They throw around the phrase burnout all the time. Yeah. There is a clinical term for burnout. It's not coming to mind at the moment, but I, I know that that is a real thing mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, what else can you think of? Yeah. The anxiety state at the beginning of the pandemic yeah. and even throughout the entire year um, of bringing something home to your family. Right. Sure. I mean, that's huge. Well, let me ask you this, and this is a question I've had uh, about nursing for a while now. Do brand new nurses right out of school go in thinking that they're going to save every patient? And then they come to the... How long does it take to come to the reality that you're not? And that this is a, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a give and take in every single day you go to work. Uh, how long does that really take? I mean, am I wrong? Do they come in with a real, do what they teach you in nursing school? I think they teach, they try to teach you in nursing school that you are going to see death. Yeah. As much as you're going to be see life. And you're there to um, care for and support your patients and their families through the death and dying process as much as you are through the treatment and recovery. So I'm assuming you've seen death. Absolutely. How did how do you deal with that? Um you know, I always I think about those patients and those families for hours on end after after someone dies. Yeah. You know, I've I I saw my first patient die and I was in nursing school. So you see how 
you know, how you are a part of the process and how what you do for that patient and their family while you're there and they're having this experience is helping them and supporting them. So did you talk to anybody about this? or did you... um, When a patient dies, um, there's always, on each nursing unit, they always have what they call a debriefing. Yeah. And you get to sit and you talk with the other nurses that you worked on. Now, whether it was, you know, when I worked in the ER, we'd have someone come in through for a trauma um, who had had a cardiac arrest at home or something. Yeah. And, you know, were unable to resuscitate or something like that. Yeah. Um, to someone who's in the ER for something and goes into cardiac arrest or respiratory arrest. Or, you know, having someone come in and deliver a baby way too prematurely to live. Yeah. Um, I was gonna, we always sit and talk afterwards. I was going to ask you your permission to ask the next question, because, uh, but you already brought it up. So I imagine you've seen babies born dead. Yeah. And that's that's got to be one of the most exasperating moments. I mean, especially if you don't know that yet. And, mm-hmm. But do you know that before it happens? Um, or do you kind of just get that? Picture, Most right. of the time, it's it's. I would say that it's more difficult to be the person who discovers that there's no heartbeat. Yeah. And is with the mother as you're discovering, and yeah, they, right. they know that that something's not right. So how do you, you know? decompress after that one? Yeah. <laughs> So my my whole yeah. thought coming into this my whole thought coming into this episode about the nurses really aren't doing enough. I mean, I'm not putting it on nurses, but I'm saying that you certainly have to have some self care. You have to have yeah. some kind of. I mean, and I'm not saying that counseling is the only way to fix it either. I mean, uh, I'm certainly not going to say that wine's the only way either. But you know, there's got to be something that you can do. There's always a debriefing or discussion, um, you know, with the other nurses um, and providers who have given care to that patient, um, kind of about everything that happened. When there's a death on a, a unit, now this is pre-COVID, yeah. the chaplain always will, sh- will come to the unit and check in on the nurses and yeah. the staff Got it. to see how everybody is coping. Um, and so they do, you know, try to... Um, help you get through a loss as much as possible. Does this seem different or even maybe more amplified with COVID than it was before? I mean, you were a nurse many years before COVID hit. Did it seem less stressful? Or or is it really not that much different? Just the people who are directly COVID affected, like that are working with those patients. Those who are working on those COVID units and in the ICUs with COVID patients. Yeah. um, ventilators and such you know i'm sure their stress level which in working in an icu the stress level is already really high is just even that much higher yeah um as far as you know for someone like me working in another unit in the hospital the stress level goes up because you know working in labor and delivery yeah everybody comes to labor and delivery right you don't know you know has someone been exposed, and then they're going to come and expose me. Everybody so would hold the baby, right? Sense. Everybody would hold the baby when it's yeah. able to be held, and that's not happening at all, is it? No, 
No, and now there's just that heightened sense of okay, everybody who gets admitted, even to have their baby, gets tested for COVID. Right. You know, so I've delivered babies for moms who are positive of COVID, and having that N95 mask on my face, I mean, those suckers put a lot of pressure on your face. Right. I think the most I've had to have one on is maybe for two hours. Yeah. Which is a long time. Yeah, sure. And you go home and you have these marks for days. I, I can't even fathom being a nurse on a unit where three twelves in a row, you have that N95 on your face the whole yeah. 12 hours. Yeah. That's, you know, those are, the, yeah. those are the people I've been seeing on the news. And it's just like, they have bruises, to, open yeah, sores. Yeah. 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 So. Poor people. So. How much different is it now? I mean, is it is it something that um, people will f- finally figure it out that they will get you know help or they'll go and be uh, at least debriefed, as you say. Mm-hmm. So there's no choice in that one, right? They just do no, it. That's 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 something that is always. And if in the debriefing they see that there's more concern. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have you ever seen a, a nurse that was basically taken off the job because of mental health concerns? Um, I haven't personally, um, but you know, I have spoken to a couple of nurses who have left hospital bedside nursing because they they couldn't cope. Okay, with that makes sense with that environment. Well, let's let's round robin here, and everybody will get a chance. What would be your recommendation for the best self-care? Like, if you were recommending to a nurse, Patty, what would yours be? My best recommendation, I would say, make sure you have a support system, someone to talk to. Yeah. Counselor, therapy, someone outside of the box who isn't part of the situation. And if you can afford counseling or you have it in your insurance, go to a counselor because... It's way better than trying to unload this on your family or on your friends. Because you want those groups to be in different places mentally with you as well. You want to be happy at home eating your dinner with your family. You want to be happy socializing with your friends if you ever get to do that again. So, okay. And that's just it with nurses, too. They, there's all these HIPAA regulations. You can't go home and tell your family everything that Right, happened. right. And the counselor's got his own HIPAA, so it's all good. Mike, what would you recommend? Self-care wise. I think it's something that was talked about, I think, early on. Find the 25, 30 minutes. Be able to unwind yourself. Be, you know, find that that peace on your own. Give yourself a a chance to recover, etc. I think that that meditation and that centering and just being for 20 to 30 minutes, if you can afford that kind of time. Get some vitamin D. It makes a lot of difference. Yes. All right, so I'm going to be more clinical. Okay. <laughs> well, I think that's appropriate. <laughs> Drink a lot of water. Oh, I thought you were, I, I, I wasn't expecting the water part. <laughs> Exercise. Um, talk to loved ones often. Clinical meaning, uh, these are things that I would tell someone in, in, in my office if yeah. they're sitting there, like, stressed out about being a nurse. Take a walk. 
You know, if you can't meditate, some people can't calm their brain down enough to meditate. So just take a walk, uh, either with music or without. Make your choice, because if it's with music, you're going to get into the vein of feeling how you feel when you listen to that music. If it's without music, make sure you go to a nice scenic area and you can, like, just listen to the air through the trees and, and things that will relax you. But get your mind in a different place. As Mike said, 20, 25 minutes would be good. An hour to two hours would be good, separate. You know, maybe 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there, if you're able to do that. You know, there are, there are breaks during your shift. Find a nice, quiet place. Go to the chapel and just sit there and, and just relax and not think about everything that you're going through right now. But those aren't always possible. So I always like laughing with friends, dude. That's my last go-to. I have a Rolodex of friends and my cell phone, and I know which ones make me laugh and which ones don't. I'll call someone that makes me laugh if I'm in a bad mood, and they'll just make me laugh, and I'll feel better for a few minutes, and then I can get on with my day. That's my cliff. <laughs> Cliffy! <laughs> Patty, it's so nice talking to you, today. You're going to do one last thing for fairy and counseling and for mind and body understanding and for foolproof entertainment network. You're going to give a PSA as to why people should get vaccinated. So please tell the the the, the, the dozens of people that might be listening to this. The dozens and dozens get of Get vaccinated. And I know we all miss normal. Yeah. We don't really know what normal was anymore, but we know that we want normal again. Absolutely. Um, get vaccinated so people can hug their parents and their grandparents and our children can grow and thrive in the type of social, human interacting environments that they need to be in. Yes. Get vaccinated to help protect yourself, help protect your family. Yes. Get vaccinated. Thank you. Absolutely. Good last words. And that's uh, all we have for today. So thank you very much, Patty. And uh, we'll be Thanks back on here. Me. You're welcome. Take care. Mm-hmm.